One in 10 Americans over the age of 65 has Alzheimer's dementia. It's estimated that almost 6 million Americans age 65 or older are living with Alzheimer's dementia. What should the church's response be to this dreadful disease? Stick around while we talk about this very question today on Here at Home and hear the story of one person's journey through Alzheimer's dementia. the Here at Home podcast, a podcast about the people here at McGregor, their stories, their ministry, and their love for Jesus. And if you're joining us for the very first time, my name is Mark Bricker, and I'm the host for the Here at Home podcast. And thanks for joining us. We'll be bringing you a fresh new episode every other week, and we'd love to have you be a part of our Here at Home podcast community. So go ahead and subscribe if you haven't already done so, and that way you'll get each episode delivered straight to your podcast player. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please share it with your friends. On today's Here at Home podcast, we'll be hearing Kim Mitchell's story of how Alzheimer's dementia impacted her family and how she began to answer the question, what can the church do in response to this disease? Welcome, Kim, to the Here at Home podcast. Thank you, Pastor Mark. I'm so excited to have you here. I really am. You're not nervous, are you? A little bit. Ah, all right. Well, let's start with a super easy question. (laughs) Okay, good. Tell us a little bit about your family and Mm -hmm. maybe a little bit how long you've been coming to McGregor and some of the things you've been involved with here at McGregor. All right. Uh, My husband, Chris, and I got married in 2004, and we moved from the Chicago area to Fort Myers. And we have three kids. Uh, Reese is 11, Rory's 10, and our baby, Cade, is six. And um, we actually started attending McGregor the very first week we lived here in 2004, and we've been here since then. Um, I was involved with the food pantry ministry before we had children. Um, We're, of course, involved in children's ministry and um, have been involved in preschool ministry. Uh, My husband, Chris, was a deacon at one point. I was on the finance committee at one point, so um, I guess we just done a lot of different things here at McGregor. Done a lot of stuff. And we'll talk about what you're currently doing in just a, just a little while. Um, I know you have a, and obviously in the time we have, you won't be able to share all the details, but I'd love for you to share a little bit about the story of your mom. And, uh, and by the way, that story made, made, uh, (laughs) a national news publication in, uh, World Magazine Dread Diagnosis, and uh, your your pictures in here several times. You're quoted a lot, uh, so that story is not something that's just private. It became quite public. So yes, it uh, did. That was a uh, surprise experience. Yeah, but, for but, sure. But pretty neat, and we'll talk more about that maybe as we talk about the ministry in a little while. But tell us a little bit about uh, your journey with your mom through Alzheimer's. Sure. So uh, my mom, Darlene. Um, Uh, is married to my dad, Larry. They've been married over 50 years. And um, in 2014, she was officially diagnosed with um, a rare type of dementia called posterior cortical atrophy. Um, And she actually, we knew something was wrong probably in 2012 or 2013, but like a lot of people, we had no idea it was dementia Mm. because she was in her early 60s um, and it didn't look like what we thought dementia looked like. Um, we thought maybe she had hearing loss or cataract, I mean, visual, like cataract problems. Um, she, we thought maybe she was just depressed because we had a lot of other stuff going on in the family at that point. Um, so we ran down a lot of 
bad paths um, trying to find an answer. Um, ultimately, she almost was in a car accident, and that led us to a neurologist and um, the diagnosis. Um, she, uh, in 2015, we moved her to memory care here in Florida. There, my family's from Ohio, um, grew up on a farm, and uh, she, I was her really her primary caregiver for um, until uh, about 2000, I guess early, uh, late 2019, we moved her back to Ohio to a nursing home. Uh, she had fallen and broken her hip. Um, she was supposed to pass away. That's what all the medical experts said, mm -hmm. but she's still alive and well in 2021. She even beat COVID. So um, <laughs> it just goes to show that we don't know how long folks are going to be here. Yeah. Um, she unfortunately um, at this point does not, she now exhibits what I would call the classic symptoms of dementia in the sense that she doesn't recognize her loved ones, including her husband or her children. But um, that didn't happen until many, several numerous years into the disease. Hmm. So, I know. How many years were you the primary caregiver? Uh, well, she was in memory care in Florida from 2015 to 2019. Right. Um, and I continue to be like the primary point of contact for the nursing home. Unfortunately, because of COVID restrictions, I have not been able to physically touch my mother in over a year, mm. um, which is its own burden. Um, so, but those years were those were tough while she was here. I mean, you were yeah, it was down there all the time, and <laughs> yeah, my son was six months old when my mom moved here, and um, he was sick a lot too, and so it was quite a juggling act between um, three kids. My mother was here, and my father actually has been battling metastasized cancer for eight years, um, and I provide him um, some assistance with things. Um, it had got it got really um, it was hard. I mean, I don't. I don't, I don't know exactly. I mean, it's... Well, to have your mom that young... Yeah, she's really young, yeah. To be diagnosed mm -hmm. with dementia, that, that type of dementia. And, and then ultimately, how long was it from the diagnosis till it, she was in memory care? Well, it was kind of unusual in that she was diagnosed in 2014 and she moved into memory care into 2015. But, I mean, in hindsight, I know her symptoms started something like 2011. Um, you know, with some like personality change, um, she was able to hide a lot of it, but she had withdrawn herself from things she loved to do, like Bible study and whatnot, because my mom's particular dementia affects like the back of her brain, which is where your brain, like I never knew that your brain actually is how you see. Like we think if our eyeballs work, our, we see, but really your eyeballs and your brain have to work. So if mm. your brain breaks, your eyes don't work. Right. So she lost the ability to read and write very early. Her handwriting became very messy. Um, she could not follow the text in a book. Um, that probably went all the way back to 2012 or 2013. So we're like, I mean, she's like probably a good 10 years into her disease. Um, people don't realize that dementia patients can live 20 years. Um, so it's, it's a long, long mm. process. It's yeah. not there's no, it's, um, you know, you can like, if your loved one is sick for a week or two or they have an event and they're in the hospital, you know, you can rally around them and you can be there every day, 24 hours a day. But with dementia, it goes on so long. That's really a big part of the burden on caregivers is just the length and yes. then the expense. Um, I don't pay for my mother's medical care. My father does. And um, is a long journey and a very expensive one. Yeah. What was the hardest thing? 
personally for you in her diagnosis and then shortly after that being put into a, a memory care unit? Um, I think it's just the hardest thing is the loss of relationship, but it happens like a thousand deaths at a time and over time, you know, if, if your loved one dies, suddenly you grieve and you mourn, but you know, my mom died little deaths, mm. you know, um, my mom and I, my mom was my best friend. We were very close. Um, and you know, it's, it's this long transition from for, you know, from parent child to now the child is the parent. So there's all these little deaths to grieve, you know, the day they forget you is one for sure, but there's the day they forget how to eat or the day they, um, you know, forget how to get in out of the car. Um, you know, the day they forget how to relate relationally and to have, you know, um, you know, mm. to care about what's going on in your world or, um, I don't know. There's so many different things to grieve. It's you grieve, they call it the long goodbye. It's also like, you know, there's, there's a term called anticipatory grief or ambiguous grief. And you have all this grief and most people can't understand the grief hmm. that you feel. It's just this constant, I mean, you feel every feeling, guilt, grief, anger, sadness, um, and you fill them with God, you fill them with yourself. Um, so it's, it's like a emotional smorgasbord. And, um, if you have, and then most caregivers have other responsibilities, right? I have children. Some people have to work. Some people have to financially provide for the situation. And you just, you just, you're just overwhelmed mm. with all these responsibilities and you, and loneliness. That's another really hard feeling. You feel like you're alone that, um, no one understands. Um, and, and you just really miss your loved one. I mean, my dad really misses his wife, even though she's still physically alive. You know, you miss that relationship and that all my caregivers in our support group talk about the loneliness and the grief that they don't feel like other people understand. As you were going through that, um, where were the, the opportunities for you to get help or hope uh, through that process? Um, I think because I was, my mom was younger, I was younger, obviously. Um, and so um, my peers were not necessarily, not necessarily they help. Were, they weren't going through anything like that. <laughs> no, yeah. their mom was still, um, you know, babysitting their kids. Right. And um, I was babysitting my mom, you know, mm. so that's, that is different. Um, you know, there's certainly things available in the community in terms of like the Alzheimer's Association or in Fort Myers, we have what's called the Alvin Dubin Center or in Naples, there's the um, Alzheimer's Center as well. Um, I turn to books. I'm a reader. I love to read. Um, and thankfully, um, I found some Christian books um, through Christian radio, listening to people be interviewed. Um, Not a lot, though, are there? There was not. There are more now than there were, but most of the literature was written from a secular worldview. Um, and the thing is, is a lot of what you're dealing with is, you know, really big things like God's view of suffering and sovereignty. And um, you can't really, I mean, you, you have to have someone writing from a Christian worldview in order to really get your hand around that. I mean, I was blessed by the body of Christ in terms of tangible help I received from, mm -hmm. you know, some of my friends from the food pantry, you know, help my move my mom in when I had to buy furniture and, you know, they, 
some senior saints babysat my son. So I, you know, a mm. particular senior saint I can think of babysat my son while I was signing the paperwork for my mom to move into memory care. So mm. there certainly were tangible things people did to come around me. Um, and, you know, once you start sort of opening up about what you're going through, you find out other people went through it. But unfortunately, there's like this desire to hide because you're like, this is not my loved one. This is not how they behaved. This is not what they said. And I think sometimes in church, unfortunately, when it comes to mental health, we are a little afraid to be completely transparent. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, right away, I would say it was a struggle because I, um, you know, because you, you don't know what, you don't know what you don't know until you yeah. <laughs> learn you it. And you don't know how many people are, how people will respond right. as well. And they say that I'm sure you had some crazy responses along the way from, from yes. some folks. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just, you know, unfortunately like Hollywood and has the, you know, we have this perception of dementia. It's like, I always say, it's like this little old lady and she's in a wheelchair and she's got like a blanket and she's flipping through a photo album and, you know, she doesn't know the person who's there, but she's telling these wonderful stories mm. about, you know, whatever's in the photo album. But that's not really always how it goes. Yeah. I'm not saying it never goes that way. That's but the Hallmark version yeah, of it. <laughs> I think from most of my caregivers, they would say that's the Hallmark version. Yeah. Um, and so um, I got to a really low point. I mean, I did end up in, I did, I have gone to counseling and, you know, I've read, like I said, I read a lot of books and, but there are just a lot of long days. So as you're going through this process, uh, reading books, uh, seeking help, somewhere along the line, you thought, what can the church do? Because you realized you weren't the only person that was going through this. Right. Uh, so where did, where did that begin to surface in your mind? Uh, well, I read this book here called The Second Forgetting by Dr. Benjamin Mast, and it's really about how does the church, how should the church, big picture church, respond to dementia and the Alzheimer's crisis that is frankly coming to our country. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought, well, I should go tell someone at church to do something about it. So <laughs> <laughs> that's what I did. And um, funny enough, the person who ended up looking in the mirror, I guess, was me. Um, but, you know, it just kind of started very organically in terms of like someone needs to do something and maybe that someone is me. Although at the time that seemed kind of insane because I already had kind of a lot of, a lot of things going, going on. on. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's, um, it's always good to talk to other people. And um, as we after we started the ministry and as it goes on now, three years into the ministry, I've made a lot of really good friends and I have gained a lot that helped me. And um, so what started out as maybe helping someone else, I, I've at least equally benefited from yeah. the arrangement. Let's <laughs> back up um, as you uh, realized, wait a minute, if something's going to happen, it might have to start with me. Right. <laughs> what were some of the first steps in, uh, in developing? Because now there are different aspects to this ministry, but early on, there was a blank sheet of paper. And yeah. You know, so what were some of the first steps? Uh, well, I came and talked to you and I bought a lot of books and passed them out and talked to people. And I guess just started to raise like awareness of what was going on in my own life. Um, I guess I think where we began was we um, 
we thought we wanted, I wanted to do training. I mean, I, I learned a lot of stuff, but I would say like through fire and drinking out of the fire hose. And I really had a desire for other people to know what I had learned. Hmm. And so we, um, we thought the best way to do that would be a seminar. And um, I think we honestly thought like 25 people would come <laughs> and that was going to be okay. Um, and then I invited like five or six speakers thinking like two of them would say yes. And they all said yes. And then we were like, oh goodness, now what? Um, but God just, it was, it was so obvious that God was just taking care of it. Um, we hardly did any marketing and then we had like a hundred people show up. Yeah. And we were just blown, blown away. away. <laughs> um, Absolutely. And, you know, we just started there with like educating people and but educating them from a Christian worldview and telling them that the gospel and that Jesus Christ and the Bible had something to say about dementia. Hmm. And um, that was exciting. And yeah. um we did that, and then I guess I we too, did it again. Yeah, I think, too, that very first time, not only did it, you know, have a lot of people that showed up, but it, we promoted it within the church, yeah. and it began to raise some awareness initially because yeah. something that had never, had never in the twenty plus years I'd been here ever been talked about. Right. Uh, and now all of a sudden, it's a it's a seminar yeah. dealing with dementia, and so I think that alone began to make it maybe a little safer place for people to to talk about it or ask questions. I know that's not a lot of progress, but it had to start somewhere. Well, I remember we did an evaluation and one of the comments that someone wrote was just how encouraged they were that we were doing anything hmm. because they were a caregiver and they felt so alone. And yeah. so it showed them for the first time that they, they weren't like, look, here's all these people that care enough to show up on a Saturday for three hours and learn something. Um, and that it was really powerful, even though it felt like this small offering to begin with. <laughs> yeah. So out of that, I guess one of the next steps was a, a Wednesday night class. Was that the next thing you did? Um, I think so. We, it's kind of all blurs together now, but <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we did a Wednesday night class that was based loosely on this book that I mentioned. And we also brought in um, like local speakers um, to talk about different topics. I mean, we covered all kinds of things. Um, you know, what is dementia? Um, how do you find a memory care? Do you need a will? Do you need a, this, um, you know, like practical things yes. that you need? Um, and then we also addressed um, suffering and what does the gospel have to say? And, you know, how do we connect you to other ministries of the church? You know, we've kind of always had this three-pronged. From the very first seminar, I wanted people to learn. I wanted to connect them to each other in the church and to resources in our community. But I, I want them to find hope. And mm. people think dementia is hopeless but it's not, it's not hopeless. It can feel completely and entirely <laughs> hopeless, but it is not. And so the class was again around kind of those three concepts of, um, you know, and introducing people to community resources. You know, we, we live in a community that obviously has an older population. And thankfully that means we have a lot of resources that maybe don't exist in smaller communities right. around the United States. But a lot of people might not have been aware of those. And, right. For sure. Yeah. So recognizing the, the need to connect people, uh, mm -hmm. in addition to continuing to do an annual seminar or conference, yeah. uh, what was the next, uh, the next step? 
Um, so we decided to do a support group, which um, the funny thing was when I had reached out to a couple authors who had written the books and said we wanted to start a support group, they were kind of like, well, but you don't really have the skill set. And I was like, yeah, I agree with you. I don't. Um, but anyway, we did it anyhow. So I guess just... Um, but what I did is I went and visited a bunch of support groups in the community and um, just kind of see how they worked. And then we really wanted to offer something that was unique if we were going to offer something at the church um, in this space of support groups. Um, if someone wants to attend a support group, they have lots of opportunities in the community, but we really wanted it to be um, Christ-honoring. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we set out with, you know, we kind of like wrote out our little goals for the group. And um, a big part of that was connecting people to their faith. And, you know, we share prayer at support group. And one of the really great things is how people feel like that other person really can pray for them because they really are living their experience. And it's confidential and, um, you know, it's very private and we don't talk about what happens in support group outside of support group. And that gives people a freedom to really share what they need prayer for, to really share what they're struggling with that. Although life groups are awesome and a lot of people in my support group get awesome, amazing support from their life group in terms of, you know, tangibly visiting them or bringing them food or being, you know, on call when they need someone. Um, You know, sometimes you don't feel comfortable in a room with 50 people to share your deepest Mm. heart share prayer request. Um, So we really wanted to create a safe place um, for people to come and share. We... um, And it's a great way for people at all points on the journey to help each other. You know, that we have folks that their loved ones passed away already or their loved one is in memory care. We have people who've just um, been diagnosed. And so um, I think it's cool when I see one caregiver really helping another caregiver with like a connection or this worked for me. Um, And... um, we just meet once a month for an hour and a half. And of course we share emails and prayer requests in the, you know, in between. Um, it's just really cool relationships to see um, people really um, bind together. Hmm. Um, I just wish we had more folks coming um, so that we could help more people. Um, you know, um, well, if someone's listening right now um, or they maybe know somebody that could mm-hmm. benefit, tell who exactly is this support group for? Yeah, so we are um, for caregivers, or um, another term we like to use is care partners, depending on where the person, you know, care partners, it implies a more familial mm. caregiver, um, a caregiver thinking more like a paid professional caregiver. So it's for any caregiver or care partner, um, whether it's they're caring for their spouse or it's a child uh, like me who has a parent. Um, we are, it's not for the person with dementia, and unfortunately right now we don't provide respite care during the support group, but I, I really encourage people that if you're a caregiver to find someone to stay with your loved ones so you can come during a support group because that creates a good discipline of creating a connect. You, you need a caregiver. Like mm. You may not know it now, but you do need one for when you need to take care of you or even just if you need to go to the doctor or you need to go for a walk or the grocery store. So um, it's really for any caregiver. We 
I think I mentioned we do have folks whose loved ones have already passed away. They still some will come for a certain amount of time and they're always welcome because they have knowledge to share. Right. And I mentioned before that you grieve all the way through the process, but yet you still grieve after. And sometimes people, again, don't know how to help you grieve when your loved one had dementia because it's one of those times when really silly statements get made like, you're probably glad they're dead, right? <laughs> no, like I'm not actually. <laughs> like, mm. um, you know, so again, it's just creating a safe space. Um, we always try to connect people with other, you know, ministries like Stephen's ministry or Grief Share or Widow's Ministry. Um, but we, we have a special bond. And um, I think sometimes people think like, well, I don't want to go to support group because I don't want to tell people what's really going on or I don't really need it yet. And I guess I'd just say try it and see. Absolutely. <laughs> and if you don't need us right then, then wait six months and come back. But um, usually I find with dementia, people think they don't need something when they actually probably needed it like two months ago. Mm. Um, but you just... There's a little bit of denial that makes you want to think you're not as far down the path as maybe you are. Yeah, exactly. And that, I, if I could encourage people, yeah, seek help before you think you need it. Yeah. <laughs> and if, if you're struggling in any way or you are, do have somebody in your family, maybe not even you're the primary caregiver, maybe you're a secondary one. Yeah, sure. This still could be of, of benefit to you. You mentioned resources and, mm -hmm. and books. Is there a place where folks can go to get that uh, kind of information? Well, we have a really cool landing page now on the McGregor website under Ministries Dementia Sport, and um, we actually have a whole bunch of recordings from prior seminars. So that's a great place to go if you want to listen to um, different speakers on different topics. Um, on that landing page, you can find my email, which is alzsupport at mcgregor.net, and you're welcome to email me. And I have, um, you know, a list of books. Um, and websites that I refer people to. You do need to be careful, like just with the wild Google, because like people, <laughs> unfortunately, there's a lot of misinformation and it can lead to a lot of heartbreak yeah. um, and certainly at least a little frustration. So if people want to email me, I'd be happy to share that information with them. Um, and then also, I guess, just be on the lookout um, for when we have future seminars or if we have a future class um, and join us. Um, you know, it's there's so much information. It's you can't just like, you know, you can't get it in 20 minutes. Absolutely. Sometimes people will ask me that, like, well, what do I need to know in 20 minutes? I'm like. That's not possible. <laughs> we'll put uh, we'll put a link that link particularly, uh, as well as maybe some links to some of the other resources you've mentioned mm -hmm. in uh, in our in our show notes for this podcast. So, folks, if they're listening, they can uh, click on that and easily get to that. I will mention this. This is the book we're currently um, going to use in our support group um, starting next month. It's called the Dementia Care Partners Workbook. It's written by Dr. Ed Shaw. Uh, he actually spoke at our seminar last year and um, it's just, it's a really cool book because it takes all the like medical knowledge and combines it with like the counselor and then you can even journal. Um, and so we're going to use that in support group just kind of as a launching point. It's not a class. We mm. just will talk about a couple questions. Um, but um, when we do the seminars and the classes, it is like a class and we're there to learn together. Um, I think that there is no cure for dementia. There's really not an even effective treatment. And that's why I say people think it's kind of hopeless. And sometimes I think people don't even want to be diagnosed because like 
there's nothing you can do. So why even go to the doctor and have them tell me what I don't want to know? Um, but you can learn how to help the person live the best life for as long as they can live that best life. Mm. Um, there's in several of the dementia books, it talks about today is the best day. And tomorrow is probably not going to be better than today. So you kind of got to make the best of today. And although I think that's generally a pretty good way to live life, it's really important in dementia. Um, you know, I always, with my mom, we always try to just make the best of wherever we were in the journey. You know, like early on, she and I could go get massages together and that was fun. And we, or we'd go get our toenails painted or, you know, we'd go walk on the beach or we'd go out to lunch and um, enjoy a Coke. Um, we'd take, my son actually, it's so funny, my youngest son, he, I said he was six months when my mom moved here. Well, he was usually in tow with me because of course that's where he was, you know? So he kind of probably spent about as much time with grandma as like anyone did. And mm. he only ever knew her as with dementia. Um, but what he knew was that you always got ice cream when you were with grandma. <laughs> so <laughs> it was like, he, he'd always be like, let's go see grandma so we can get ice cream. And I'm like, yeah, okay, well, so um, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, you try to make these happy memories and then, you know, one of the things I grieved was that my mother was never going to be the grandmother that I always mm. expected her to be. Um, but my kids all love her, um, including Cade, who only knew her as having dementia. Um, and really, my other kids were too young to know her much or remember much before. Um, but you can make those you know, happy memories. And kids are honestly much more forgiving than adults of you know, not being perfect, shortcomings, yeah. you know, so they're just happy to walk on the beach or, you know, go out to lunch or eat ice cream, um, or push grandma when she was in her wheelchair, you know, around this pond at her memory care for the 477th time. Mm. Um, or when she said funny things or taught my son words that he didn't maybe need to know already. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> um, so special bonding moments, yeah, with special bonding moments like that. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's like laugh or cry, but you got to make the best of it. Mm. And, um, that's where like the learning comes in. You can learn better ways to do things. You can learn not to argue. You can learn to reminisce and not say, do you remember? And so you can't fix it, but you can do better at taking care of them and yourself. Hmm. Well, Kim, thank you so much for, uh, for sharing today. And I know that, uh, this is obviously extremely personal for you, but mm -hmm. also very passionate, uh, passionate about helping others now as they go through this journey. And I so appreciate all you've done for so many people here in our church and outside our church. And, uh, you mentioned earlier that your email is ALZ support, support at McGregor.net. Yep. And so if, I know that you have said this many times and now you're saying it to whoever's listening. <laughs> if you have a question or, you know, want more information, then you can send uh, an email to that and you will respond will, directly. Yeah. Give yeah. me like a little time, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other thing I want to say is I have been so blessed by the church's support and yours specifically, but lots of other people, um, in supporting this ministry, providing the physical space, providing the support for the seminar, um, Pastor Russell has, I think, mentioned it from the pulpit a couple of times in terms of dementia. And, you know, um, and even we had a special prayer, remember, back uh, mm -hmm. during COVID for people who were in isolation. Yeah. And um, that means so much to the people who are 
um, caregivers. Um, even I, the most exciting thing is the family bathroom on Main Street. Like, so um, <laughs> I knew you were going to get a way to get that in here. <laughs> but no, but that's the church. I mean, that's the church, you know, and um, and that's really exciting. And one of the things is that this book talks about the second forgetting is that we always think of the person with dementia forgetting, but what this book talks about is that we forget the people with dementia Mm. and that God, and we forget God and we worry about the person with dementia forgetting God. And, you know, maybe they were never saved or maybe this behavior is who they really were. But the reality is that it's more important. This I'm just, I have to read this. It's so good. It says far more significant that God remembers us than that we remember him. This speaks to the reality that our salvation from beginning to end is by grace. And that's the hope is that we know our loved ones will be redeemed in heaven if they are followers of Christ. Mm. And my mom, and this happens all the time, my mom still, she can't remember her husband. She doesn't know who her children are, but she sings Jesus loves me Mm. and she listens to the Bible and she responds. And that Holy Spirit is deep inside her. I mean, even like six months ago, I was praying with her through a window over the phone. <laughs> and I said, uh, I said, you, and I meant God, you are the giver of life. And my mom was on the other end of the phone and she piped up and said, I'm not the giver of life, God. I was like, yep, yep. you're right, mom. So um, wow. I am really thankful to be in a church that has supported this. Mm. And um, I just, uh, anyone who needs help in this area, I just really encourage you to come to support group. Um, I think you'll find there are many there who want to love you and connect with you and um, help you. Amen. Well, now they have a familiar face to know that yes. when they walk in there. And uh, that's for those that are in that role, but also that they, they know somebody that they can pass the word along. To. Yeah. We want to get the word out. Please invite others. Yes. 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 All right. And well, they don't have to attend McGregor. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Any, anyone who's a dementia caregiver is welcome. Love to have them come be yeah. a part of it. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Kim, for being a part of our uh, Here at Home podcast. And yeah. uh, thank you for sharing your story. So that wraps up this episode of Here at Home. And thank you listeners for being part of our podcast. What a blessing to be able to share what God is doing here at home and to be encouraged together. And just a reminder, if you haven't subscribed yet, please take a moment to do that. And while you're subscribing, you might want to check out our other podcast channels. That's right. Kim, did you know we have other podcast channels? I did not know that. You can head on over to hereathomepodcast.com and see all the details of those other podcasts. We've got some great stuff going on. It's exciting. Around here. Yeah, it is. All right. Well, thanks for listening. And we'll see you in a couple weeks back here at home.